G'day everyone, this is Tractor and welcome to the Milsim Milsoft Gel Ball Gel Soft Everything Else. Well, we could call it the Soft Ops Podcast today. <laughs> so I've got myself a little guest. G'day guest. G'day, I'm Trent from Soft Ops. That's exciting. <laughs> Let's get some music. So we've known each other for a little while now, Trent, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Um, pretty sure... About 18 months? Yeah. I think this is one of the first or second places I came out to actually play Jail Ball at. Yeah, and we like stabbed you straight away. Go and, <laughs> go and run things. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's the... So three gun? Yeah, well, it was three gun. We, were, we played around with that. And then I think the next one I was hanging around at was the, I think the Anzac Day games or like that weekend yep. of, of games. And it came out and did some refing for that as well, which was uh, pretty fun. Yeah, refing's different, isn't it? It is. It it's, is. It's not for everyone. No, it's not. But look, it's, uh, I think like, for me, I had a bit of background in paintball refing as well. So yeah. it was really fun. And that was in the days of uh, the temp setups on the field as well. Yeah. Well, I've talked to a few people about that lately. They, they remember it, but they go, oh, yeah, that was so long ago. <laughs> it really wasn't, though, was it? No. Yeah. I had a, um, a memory pop-up yesterday on my Facebook feed yeah. of the first game we ever played here just over two years ago, and it was all inflatables. Wow. And um, Dan, Stacey, a yeah. whole bunch of guys from the industry were the first ones there, um, some of the guys from ComSims and whatnot. So, yeah, we've uh, we've come a long way from a few blow-ups on a rugby field. Nice. Yeah, now look, and there's fields popping up everywhere as well now, which is... Do you know offhand how many fields there are in Queensland, at least? Uh, I actually don't know. I remember that it's actually starting to get to a pretty ludicrous number. But um, it's over 20, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's easily 30 plus. It, the trouble is, um, like, there's a lot of fields that we, I think, we all know about. We can, you know, you can find them on the app, and then you might even find some on Facebook that aren't mm. in the app. Uh, but then there's a lot of, I wouldn't say underground, but there's stuff that's going on that people don't know about. And I think sometimes it's people building up a new presence in a new space. Mm -hmm. uh, and other times it's private fields and whatnot as well. So, yeah, there's a lot that you can see, but there's a lot that you can't see as well. Yeah, there's two of the guys that have started refing here recently. They play what they call a private field. Yeah. Um, it's just them and their mates, but it's well set up. They've sent me photos of it and they're like, oh, you should come out. They play there every Sunday. Yeah. But then they come and ref with us and don't, like, they do play a little, but it's, yeah, it's different. It is. It is a lot different. I think, look, I think, um, I think a lot of guys and really enjoy, after being around for a while anyway, I really enjoy kind of those private setups. Sometimes it's a field, sometimes it's just sessions because you can mm. really start to play around with rules and different games and all sorts of stuff that you just want to do with mates, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and there's some freedom to do stuff with your mates that you could yeah. never do in a public field. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. And obviously we've talked offline about insurance and all that stuff. Um, I, would, I don't need <laughs> to go there. Everyone knows how I feel about insurance. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we don't need to go there. But... Um, yeah, a lot of the the first fields are still around. We've still got Dennis at Mango Hill. We've still got Francis. We've yep. still got Brent. Yeah. Um, Tack Edge has still got fingers in. Yeah, of course. Um, the evolution, like, look, honestly, yeah, the evolution has been really, really interesting to watch. Mm. Um, you know, in I remember my early days and, and kind of what led me to creating Map and all that sort of stuff is, you know, I poked around a lot on Facebook. That was, like, back then, that was the only way to find fields, right? Yep. It was search forever on Facebook, <laughs> trying to get into every group that you can find and, and uh, find out where all these fields are and then trying to assess, you know, is that a safe place to play? Like, is that, yeah. a, you know, is that what you want to get involved in? But the, the first things that came up was here, so Milsim East yeah. uh, and Nuketown were the big ones. Yeah. Um, 
and I think eventually I figured out that Spec Ops was a thing as well, and uh, Gorilla Blasters. I remember they were they were basically the the major ones that would pop up. Yeah, Morgan's had a real evolution, hasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and seeing that now, they just recently they added that the second, second the floor. second level, yeah, yeah, which is crazy. I'm man. jealous as of that. That's <laughs> <laughs> very very cool. Yeah, and look, he's he's gone. All the way from like the first speedball comps in a yep. backyard corner yep. thing to one of the most prominent fields in southeast Queensland. Yeah, absolutely. I think look, and they're just so recognisable. I think you know everyone, everyone that I know usually plays there at least once, right? Yeah. And yeah. they're just so well established. They've got a great little community down there and everything as well. And it's just such a unique spot. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you can't really go anywhere else to experience that particular setup. No. Uh, at the a- and the second that anyone talks to me about worried about low FPS, um, <laughs> I'll just go, go and see Morgan. Yeah. What, seriously? Yeah. If you want to run high, yeah, go play run over high, there. get over there, have a crack at it. Absolutely. Um, it, look, I'm not going to take a 12-year-old kid there, but <laughs> hey, if they're tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a certain crowd. And I think, um, yeah, I talked to a few people about not just FPS, but in general, I think it, you've got to try, honestly, you've got to try everything once. Yeah. Uh, before you know, yeah. you're passing that judgment and saying, you know, oh, I'm never going to play speed QB or I'm never going to do milsim. It's like get out there and try it because honestly, all of the, I think, the you got to remember the entire hobby and in, in industry is built around all of these things. Mm. It, it is all tied together, and surprisingly, a lot of it is, is extremely similar. Yeah, yeah. Look, a lot of people close to me complain to me and say, you don't self promote enough. You don't push what you do, and I'm forever going go. Everywhere, get yeah. on soft ops, and you know I'm always tagging soft yeah, ops in something. That. Thank you. And it's because people need to try everything to find what they want. Yeah. Like, if you want to play ball sports, you don't go go and play basketball. Yeah, nothing at else. this <laughs> at this field <laughs> and never go anywhere else. And yeah. that's what it's like for me. It's like get out and enjoy. Yeah, and it's funny, right? Like we've got um, I'm involved with a pretty active Discord community as well. And you know, yeah, I can't do it. I did Discord <laughs> for a little while. I can't do it. It's uh, it look, it's an interesting creature on its own, to be honest. But um, you know, there's some pretty funny conversation in there. You know, guys, you know, hanging it on each other about, oh, you know, you're a speed QB and all this yep. sort of stuff. But I think a lot of them do recognize that um, each each kind of niche within our niche, they mm. everyone has something that you can easily learn from each other. You know, you watch guys that play speed QB a lot or that that format. And you'll find, for me anyway, those guys communicate and coordinate more than any Milsim team that I see out there, right? Because yeah. they have to. L- well, look at um, Kathy's field. Yeah. The, the speed QB guys dominate in a CQB yes. indoor environment. Yes, exactly. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, there's there's a lot of stuff that I see some of those guys that play a lot of the mil- uh, sorry, a lot of the speedball stuff then come along and they, you know, try and learn some of the CQB tactics and they realise, yeah, hey, there's a little bit of a gap and I think it's anyone that starts to become a master of all of that is just going to dominate on the field. Yeah. 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 It, it was really interesting when we ran the first speedball comp here. Yeah. Because we'd been away from speedball for so long and we've literally put that speedball field into the middle of the junkyard and yeah. people play it on a weekend. Yeah. Like the refs just go, all right, we're going to do speedball now and the Mill Simmons are going, <laughs> having a little connection, but then they do it and they go, yeah. I can see that now. Yeah, yeah. And how did you find that? How did you find running that 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 first speed, speedball stuff in a while? To be honest, Damo did yeah. 99.999% of the work and yeah. I just stood there and <laughs> said, thanks for the money. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and then right. handed that to Wounded Heroes. But it, it was a steep learning curve on 
some of the rules and yeah. the the way to get players motivated to be there at the right time and time management. Yeah, he has got that nailed. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and that's that's something I want to learn from. Yeah, and um, we're doing another one in January that's just been announced today. So awesome. Um, jump on the AGBL, Australian Job Blaster Sports, Le- whatever we're calling it this week. <laughs> We've renamed it like twice. There is a page. There is a page. I've seen it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we first met and I sent you a friend request on Facebook, I noticed we had a mutual friend that uh, told me a little bit about your past. What's the um, Tell us about that or tell the public about that. Yeah, right. Um, so look, yeah, not a lot of people know this, but I, prior to this whole life here, <laughs> um, when I left high school, I actually went straight into the Australian Defence Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that don't know, it's a method of entry into the Defence Force that lets you pair up officer training with a degree, right? Yep. So, which is really, really good, right? For those that kind of haven't quite figured it out yet and want to make sure that at least, at least if they leave the ADF at some point, um, you know, they've got a degree and can move on to things. It's, it's a really good setup. Um, but yeah, so I went into that and, uh, you know, through various means, my, uh, our mutual friend was my division sergeant, which was, uh, yep. a very small world. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were instructors together before that. So. Yeah. Um, and you know, from there I actually made a decision to move from the defense Wars Academy straight over to RMC. So mm-hmm. for, you know, for various reasons, I wanted to skip the, uh, the degree at that time. And unfortunately, look, I ended up with a, uh, an injury that would, which saw me, uh, I ended up with a, yeah, Yeah. I got a medical discharge over time. And so, yeah, that, that really sucked, but you know, it is what it is. It's, it's one of those things where for me, you know, when I, when I came out, I always wanted to go back in, right. I've always, Uh I've been trying in various methods over time to try and get back in. Um, because there's something about, uh, you know, for those that haven't been in the defense force, there's absolutely something about the camaraderie and that it's, it's, it's so hard to explain until you've, you've been there and you've had a good time with your mates. Uh, to be honest. And those of you that are ORs out there might be hacking on that, oh, you just did a bit of officer training. Yeah. But having gone from Kapuka as an RI myself and then worked at RMC as a, a senior NCO and done drilly work, they do everything you do at Kapuka first. Yeah. So everything an OR learns at Kapuka, they've done as well, except we throw rank at you <laughs> and go, you're the section commander now. You're the CSM yeah. man. So, yeah, you... you You've done Kapuka as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> fair enough. Fair you probably enough. can't march, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how'd you find the transition out to the real world through a medical discharge? I really, really struggled with that myself. Uh, yeah. So I guess, look, to, so a little bit deeper in, into essentially what happened for me. Um, when I was at RMC, I, or when I, when I was in that transition from the Defence Force Academy to RMC... I had uh, an injury to my ankle, which was like, I mean, it was a serious injury, but nothing major, right? Mm -hmm. And when I got, you know, part of the way through the training um, at RMC, at some point, the the medical officer kind of pulled me back and said, hey, look, you've been looking closer at your ankle and we want to do some more tests. And they figured out that there was a defect on on one of my bones. Um, And then as a part of that, they offered, they said, look, to get back into duty, you're going to have to get surgery done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I waited around for six months or so to get that surgery and then um in rmc you know you got the six month cycle for each yep. each uh, uh class to start and so we got to the end of that six months i hadn't had the surgery yet mm. and they turned around and said you know what you can just go back 
And yeah, and <laughs> it was, dude, it was mind blowing. And it, yeah. unfortunately for me at the time, look, I just wasn't in the mental state for it. I just said, yeah, going that's, from the op tempo of nothing back yeah, right into training. Exactly. And then in a 12 month window, that's like three batches of some yeah. pretty intense, you yeah. know, initial training. So that's when I withdrew. So, and, and when I say I was medically discharged, it was the part that I've struggled with. Uh, there were two things. And one was that when I left, they, they said I was actually fit for duty. So I only discovered that I had a, medical discharge when I applied to re-enter and they said, no, no, you've had a medical discharge, so you can't come back. Got to love paperwork. Yeah, so you can probably imagine the frustration with that. Yeah. Um, but then as a part of that, look, the transition, it was it was a bit of an interesting one for me. Look, you know, I think fortunately, you know, unlike, I know a lot of people have struggled with that transition, but, mm -hmm. but for me, because I'd gone through training and, you know, that sort of stuff, and but I hadn't been in for too long and it was still, I mean, let's face it, like that's like 12 to 18 months out of school. Yeah. So it's kind of like a gap year, right? So for me, it was okay. But mm -hmm. what I, I think what I struggled with later on was not being able to get back in. Yeah. Because in, in my head, that was always the plan. Um, you know, one of the, one of the discussions that I'd had when I was, when I was applying for my, uh, to, to leave, I'd actually said, I have every intent of reapplying, but after having seen, um, in some sense, you know, some of what was going on with the training and, uh, the way that we kind of go through that as people that are fresh out of school, I had said to them, I said, I just feel like I don't have the life experience to be mm -hmm. able to, you know, within a matter of two years, be leading people that are far more senior than me in terms of age and life experience, you know, into life and death situations. That just makes no sense to me. So I wanted to basically go get that life experience and then and go back in. But yeah, as I said, just haven't been able to do that. A, a funny story, like the opposite side to that. When I got out, I went and joined the Air Force cadets as a staff member. Yeah. Um, and I was involved in the, the national training of their new staff. So yeah. they would recruit um, a foe officer. Yeah. Like they'd get some guy off the street and go, all right, we need to give them the basics to be an officer or an airman. And I was tasked with doing some of the officer training. And a squadron leader came in, which is a major in the army, and went, you can't teach officers, you're just a senior NCO, da, da, da. And I went, oh, good Lord. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like she is a really good friend of mine now but yeah. um, having not come from that environment they didn't understand the interplay that Australians have between senior NCOs and junior officers yeah. which is exactly what you're talking about it it's daunting from the junior officer's side and it's frustrating from the senior NCO side but yeah. but it is this this hold back to the blue collar white collar <laughs> 1500s yeah like the yeah yeah that's that's pretty crazy man Look, I, I had a mate of mine, we were both corporals at Kapuka, um, and she said, that's it, I'm going RMC. Yeah. And I said, so you're a full corporal, you've been in X amount of years, we've been in about the same amount of time. I said, I'm going to do ASWOCs. She goes, what's ASWOC? So I explained the concept to her. So once you're a senior NCO, you can apply for a commission yeah. in your trade, essentially. And I said, I'll race you in a major. She <laughs> went, what? I said... All right, you're going to spend the next 18 months at RMC. You're going to walk out of there a boggy LT. Yeah. I'm going to wait until I do my sergeant's courses, which I had one more to go, and six months after that, I'm going to ASWOC. I'm going to be a captain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't be able to get command straight away, yeah. but I'll be able but to do the there. same job I'm doing now yeah. at a much senior level, and four years after that, I'll be a major, and you'll be getting captains. She went, I hate you. <laughs> But she had the chance to actually command, which is different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and anyone that knows my views on Angus Campbell knows what I feel about officers in command, but we're not going there today. <laughs>
an interesting place. It is. It is. It's um, it's interesting. So, I suppose the other thing that I like to talk to about people that have been in defence, mm. um, a lot of people bandy around the word veteran, mm. and I used to get super super uncomfortable with the use of the word veteran for somebody in your position. Yes. What, what's your opinion on that? Do you like if somebody goes, "Hey, you're a veteran," do yeah. you get uncomfortable? Honestly, I do. Yeah. Um, and and that's a that's a personal yeah. thing for me. Um, one of the you know actually I, I tied it to warlike service myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, so it, it's funny because there was another podcast I was in recently uh, where I was referred to as as a veteran. I didn't say anything at the time, right? Yeah. Um, but it actually made me think about it, and it's one of those things where for me, I'm careful about talking about it because mm-hmm. whilst for me it's a personal thing, it makes me uncomfortable because for me, I feel as though. I mean, as you said, you know, people can look at saying, "Oh, you did a bit of training, right?" Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's quite possibly a number of people that are in my or that have been through a similar path, um, but uh, under a very different set of circumstances. And, and by all means, you know, you may see that as a veteran, yeah. but as you say, they may, may not have, you know, been on the the, the path through war. But mm-hmm. for for whatever reason, whether it's a serious injury or something else, yeah. Um, that's that's what I'm really careful about. Is that even though. Yeah, the, the circumstances for me, I don't, I don't particularly like the term. Yeah. Um. But yeah, at the same time, there's, 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 a, there's so many angles. I think, yeah. you know, to to serving in the military, uh, yeah. that that a lot of people don't think about or consider because of that traditional view. Yeah. Absolutely. See, I, I both of my operational deployments were to East Timor. Yeah. The first one was on paper, it was warlike service, but it was interfet. Yeah. Um, and I don't see that the same way as the guys that went to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. Yet those guys will often say to me, hey, I wouldn't have liked to have been there. And I'm like, you shitting me, right? Like, <laughs> w- we did peacekeeping, man. You were getting yeah. mortared every day here. Yeah. And, and I've since been able to break down some of those bridges in my own mind and go, well, there are other perspectives on this. I'm still not mm. 100% comfortable with the use of the word veteran all the time. Yeah. Um, but I certainly look back at the guys that were my senior NCOs in 1994. Mm. Um, those guys watched Somalia and Rwanda happen, never got a Guernsey. Yeah. They might have been in since 1980. Yeah. Nothing operationally happened by Western Sahara. And just because they were in at that time in their life yeah. was the only reason they didn't see operational service. So and then not to refer to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's discounting hard. an entire. It's hard, yeah. like, um, what was it I used to say to people? If you play for um, the Queensland Reds, yep, and you sit on the bench for the Premiership, mm-hmm. did you play in the Premiership? Yeah, right. Yeah, just no. because you didn't, you got picked for the team. You nearly got to go. Yeah, yeah, you did all the training. You did everything else. Everyone else did. You were there. You were mm. ready to go. That's sort of how I look at it now, mm. and, and it's. I think it's, that's probably a perfect analogy, to be honest, because I think as an individual, right, it, and it's the same thing as an individual. Uh, those guys sitting on the bench probably feel like they didn't play, like a lot of yeah. the time, right? Yeah. They didn't feel like they didn't play. But when you look at the the overall picture, the point is that you have a highly trained and highly effective team, and the point of the guys on the bench isn't just oh, we'll pull them up. You know, if someone gets injured, it's like you have a, a team, a composition of a team, yep. and you use whatever's appropriate to win that particular match. Yeah. So 
it's they're absolutely part of the team if you look at it from that point of view. If, if I have a box full of spanners, yeah, I don't throw away the fifteen mil because I don't think I'm going to use it in the next week. Exactly, I keep that in my toolbox because you know you'll need it eventually. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about something lighter. Where are you playing lately? Where am I playing lately? Um, look, I have regular fields, so that's a it's a mixed. You try question. and play a bit everywhere. Yeah, I, I do. I try to play a bit everywhere, but I've also got kind of my regular fields I hit up right. Like I mean. A lot of my social media is pretty much covered in it where it's, you know, it's spec ops, it's here, it's out at, uh, at a hardcore as well. Yep. Um, and look, the reason for that is, I think, and probably for a lot of people as well, is like it's when you get a limited amount of time, you want to go somewhere, you know, you're going to have, the, you know, you're going to get what you're looking for, right? Yeah. It's like going to Mac. It's, yeah. If you want yeah. a big Mac, you know, you're going to get one. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I've been talking to my guys, um, you know, the guys that I regularly play with, and, and I know that there's some really good experiences in the, the south side and all that sort of stuff as well it's just travel yep. time so yeah yeah but my regulars are basically in this area mm-hmm. yeah cool um have you thought about traveling to south australia to play that's a really well actually it's a good question because i know i know before all this mm. uh you know these interesting changes that they came up <laughs> um before yeah, all that we, happened we don't have to cover that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone else has talked about it more than enough yeah but look honestly before all that absolutely um you know there was a lot of talk uh, especially because you know because of what i'm doing with the app and stuff there we're looking at really interesting ways to try and in- actually encourage that travel between mm-hmm. um between states and between fields and all that sort of stuff as well because there's a lot of fun stuff we could have done um and i know that you know the the battle for waterloo down there they that field looks amazing yep. right um, I've always wanted to get down there and try that. And I'm yeah. so pissed that Mitch Rockman's field fell over. Which one? Which one's that? The um, I can't remember the name of the field, but yeah. I, I watched him build that from scratch. Yeah, and then it fell over because of all the police stuff. Yeah, it's look. He had such a good yeah. feeling about that field. Yeah, it's look. It's uh, it's so sad, honestly, the way things have played out with yeah. with that entire situation. Um, uh, I don't even know where to start, to, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, you know, I, I had a bit of a chat about it uh, on another podcast, but it's it's just one of those things where, look, there's a lot of emotion, you yeah. know, yeah, from, from from the community's point of view, from retailers, from field operators, from people whose lives, like, you know, livelihoods are on the line. Mm. A lot of emotion behind it. Um, but when you kind of unpack it and, and look at the situation, there's, I think ultimately, and this is what I said, I've said previously, ultimately it was a very... Um, a poorly informed decision made it a very, very bad time, hmm. right? Because, you know, what we're talking about here is, so ultimately someone has decided, okay, we, we need to, you know, we need to have weapons license, whatever it is that we need to have. Yeah. Um, and because of that decision, it then puts everyone in a very difficult position to say, well, when do we let everyone know? Yeah. Right? Because we know that if they were to let retailers know in advance, they're going to offload their stock as quickly as possible mm-hmm. with no fair warning to the to the customers. Well, some people will, right? Yeah. Um, whereas on the, you know, and then on the flip side, which is unfortunately the way they went about it, is they've just made the decision overnight and suddenly, yeah. Like, yeah. W- one of the examples I know is a guy that was retailing both in South Australia and Queensland. Yeah. And made the decision to cut away his Queensland operations and moved everything to South Australia about a month before this. Um, and although me and him don't see eye to eye, I yeah. really feel for yeah. that guy's business because there's nothing that he did that just yeah that caused it caused that yeah it's completely out of someone's control yeah. in, in that situation. And and I've said it before. I was looking at going to Black Sheep. Mm. I was talking to the police down there trying to say. These are the blasters I want to bring. Mm. Just tell me no. 
if there's blasters on here you don't want to bring, just say no and I'll bring the other ones. Mm. Um, and the political answers I was getting from them said to me, there's more to this. There is something going on in the background yeah. here because they, they're not saying, oh, yes or no, or we'll look at it. It's, it's just okay. we can't talk about this at this time. Yeah, and that doesn't help at all. No, especially, like, yeah. I've worked for the federal government and you know what that means. <laughs> that means we're going to fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, HPA is the other thing I want to talk to you about. You're yeah. a big fan. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, look, uh, HPA is... It's, it's a funny thing. Like, I know there's been a lot of uh, controversial kind of conversation around, oh, is it legal, you know, all this sort of stuff. I, I do know that, um, you know, for example, sorry, what, what led me to pull the trigger on, on getting a HPA system is I'd, I'd have conversations um, with Francis at Spec Ops and because the whole thing was, like, I didn't want to go and drop all that money on something that obviously, A, isn't, isn't legal, mm-hmm. uh, but B, is, like, there's no point in getting something if either a field operator is not going to let me use it or B, if it's going to put, if it's going to jeopardize that field, right? If anyone wants to shop and say, yo, this is, this, this is not legal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd had actually had a conversation with him and he'd said, look, he's got the back and forth emails saying, yeah, it's completely fine. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what, you know, that's part of what led me to pulling the trigger. But the other thing was, uh, it's just the sheer performance that comes out of it. Um, you know, mm. for, for me, you, you can't beat that instant trigger response. No, you can't. And and look, I know uh, as as many people say, oh, you know, you can build a DSG. You know, you can use it. You can do it with a MOSFET and yeah, so you on. You can pre cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's not look, the same. Exactly. Look, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but the the amount of time, money, and effort that you'll put into building an, an electric blaster to do that, mm. um, to me, it doesn't add up. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of maintenance that comes with it. Whereas, mm. you know, the HPA stuff, there was only one problem that we've had. Uh, and most people eventually get past it, and it's just something as simple as the the nozzle rubber slips off, right? So it yeah. comes off the glue. Um, so some people have found a, a hacky solution to that, and some of us have figured out a better way to do it. Yeah. So you know th- there is that that whole component to it. But um, one of the things you know I've spoken to a, a lot of people that I play with is for me, I'm looking for something as close to a simulation blaster as we can get, mm-hmm. and at the moment HPA delivers that as yeah. closely as possible with some give or take. Um, and, you know, it's to me, it's just a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. A hell of a lot more enjoyable than... If somebody yeah. offered a gas-powered or CO2 or green gas-powered magazine-contained option for a gas-operated blaster yep. that didn't have the tube on it, would that change things again for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, um, in the, the other sport that we all want, uh, <laughs> that is... That you can is say airsoft. Yeah. <laughs> about 40% yeah. of my listeners aren't Australian. Oh, awesome. All right. Yeah. So, look, yeah, like in, in the airsoft world, um, gas blowback rifles, that is the dream. Um, and I'm really annoyed because recently uh, I stumbled across a Japanese channel that on, on YouTube where this dude, uh, they're running around in a, I think they call it, oh, I forgot what they call it. it. It's got some weird name, but it's, it's a park over there where they're playing airsoft. Mm-hmm. And this guy and, and the guys that he runs with, they only run gas blowbacks. And it is, honestly, you watch it and you're like, that is everything you want. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of the realistic functionality of it, but also, you know, the other component, uh, component to it, to me, is that limited mag- magazine capacity. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't like the idea of a limited... Ma- like, yeah. the Mac 11 came out at M4A1. Yeah. And one of the first things I heard people complain about was it's only got 30 or 40 rounds. And I'm like, What? Yeah. Well, what's the problem with that? <laughs> That's 30 or 40 kills, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Or at least 20. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a funny thing. Look, the, you know, watching the, um, I think the comparison between gameplay, right? Like we're going to think about the evolution of 
of Gel Blasters, both as a technology and what we're using, but also the hobby, right? Yeah. And and we know, like, again, we were talking early days, right? <laughs> um, you know, about 18 months ago, it's, you know, it's everyone just, we magged up, right? It's full auto, it's accuracy through volume. Um, and, and even then, you know, the semi-auto on most stuff just wasn't reliable. So it's yep. completely understandable. Um, but then as, you know, over that last 18 months, everything's just, like caught on fire you know, mm. in, in terms of once people realize that there's a lot of technology that we can adopt, mm. um, we're now getting to the point where semi-auto is a lot more viable. Um, we're getting to the point where, yeah, we've got HPA and obviously we have gas blowback uh, pistols and you know I think I've seen some MP5s and stuff on the way as well. There's a green gas MP5 yeah, that's right. seconds away. <laughs> so that is absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. And one of the so, – so there's that whole – in terms of how fast that's happened, we still have people, you know, in the sport that don't even really understand what gas blowback is. And that's mm. not a, a comment to them. It's just the fact that we've got to understand how fast this stuff's moving. So yeah. there's, uh, there's definitely, there are definitely people that are interested in a low capacity magazine. But I think when we, when we talk about the size of the hobby in terms of active player mm. base, um, that's going to yeah, be a small US. slice yeah. of a, of a, an already small slice. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but look, honestly, Low cap to me changes the game completely in terms of like whether we you know start running low cap games or whatever else, but mm. it, it changes how you play. It completely changes how you play. I think back to when the first M ninety seven pump action shotguns came out, yeah, and we ran a, a game and we said you can have a Desert Eagle, an SKD Glock, yeah, and a pump action shotgun. So they're the three options you've got, or a bolt action M twenty four. That's yeah. all we had at the time. That was that. You've got to work it to fire it type. Yeah, you yeah. Can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and while there was some resistance to that, there was a bunch of people that took that as a challenge and went, mm. yeah, right. I'm going to have a crack at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Look, it's it's a funny thing. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise, and, and I think it kind of goes back to that point around when I was talking about SpeedQB and that sort of stuff, right, mm. is when you start putting constraints in place, right, whether it's weapons in terms of what they can fire, ranges, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff, um, I actually think it makes the game a lot more interesting. And I say that purely from the point of view that after it's a thinking you, game. Yeah, exactly. It's a thinking. You've got to assess it. You know that you can't. Like, you know, if you if you're not allowed to run around as full auto, full auto mag dump, or you're not going to have enough ammo for it, mm. um, then it's actually going to make you start to strategize. Whereas in a lot of the casual games today, um, and and by all means, like people have a blast doing it, right? I don't want to I don't want to yeah. criticize or, or undermine that, but um, you know, when you have got people running around full autoing everywhere, you, you're also going to have a body of people in there that aren't really for that. They actually want to have a bit of a challenge, mm. you know, to, to the play style. So I, I think about a lot of the computer games that I really enjoyed 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And they were games where hunting for ammo was a massive aspect or yeah. not shooting was a massive aspect. And I, I get that there are some people that play now that are like, I just want to blast people. Exactly. Yeah. But there are people that want to sneak and peek and snipe and do those types of yeah and i can't really say snipe because <laughs> pretend to snipe yeah. um 20 meter snipe yeah it's in you know it's it's funny so like uh so again talking about spec ops right um one of the one of the coolest things two two really cool things they've done uh one in the past is they had a uh, counter-terrorism games and that was that was the first competitive game that i played uh and that was phenomenal right and it's purely because everyone knows what they you know what you're going to expect and, and how to play uh, but the other thing is they do like pitch black, one mag only, one life only games, and it's that it's that funny thing where as much as you all want to go out there and blast each other, it's you you've got to earn it. It changes your adrenaline level. Yeah, I yep. think you get much more adrenaline and much more anticipation. Yes, absolutely. It is extremely um, intense. 
Yeah. 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 So I, I was talking to Francis today. He's keen to come on the podcast in January. So awesome. uh, I'm going to have to get back and play. Like, I haven't played there since it was just paintball. So yeah. Um, I need to go back because nice. he's come and played here twice now. So yeah, no, it's, it's I'm a feeling good time. a bit bad that <laughs> I haven't played there. So this is on to you, Francis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and it's also interesting um, when we look at guys like Francis that yeah. have that have done the kicking doors thing themselves. Yeah. They yeah. know how to operate, and some of those skills work really well in gel, and yeah. some are totally useless. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah. He um he does look so. Uh, between him and one of the guys I play with, actually. So, I mean, they, they actually do, uh, as a part of their membership, like, training, right? So you can learn some of the techniques and stuff. And it's it's actually really funny when, you know, you go and learn, or he's kind of roughly teaching you the, you know, what you actually do, and you're like, that's totally not going to work in a game, hmm. right? It does it does work in a game where it's, where you have those really tactical, limited rule sets, mm-hmm. but in casual in casual gameplay, you've got to adapt. Yeah. Um, but it's it's they're really cool skills to learn. But again, it's it's always about that adapting and learning. Okay, what can we tweak? How can we change it? Mm. Yeah, I, I noticed somebody um, you were doing transition drills and mm. um, rapid acquisition drills the other day on Instagram, and people didn't get that. And I'm yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, hey. Um, I look. I try. I try not to get sucked too much into the comments with that sort of, sort of yeah. stuff. But because w- what I find difficult sometimes is there's uh, a lot of times. Look, there's people actually asking genuine questions. They're like, mm. you know, why would you do that? And you know, you can go through the explanation of. And why. it's hard to get that tone in. Yeah, it's, tone tone is one thing, right? And then on top of that, you're also in your response. You can actually then suck in some of the trolls that just want to, you know, yeah. rag on it. It's like, you know, look, it, it is what it is, but. Um, it just brings me back, back to that point is, you know, everyone is in this hobby for a different reason. I mean, yeah. there are some people that are probably just sitting there collecting blasters right now and haven't played once. You know, I talk to them on Discord where they're yeah. like, yeah, I haven't played. I've got entire armory of blasters, but I've never mm. played. I'm going to head out for my first game this weekend. And you're like, what yeah. are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone wants something a little bit different. And, and it's that same thing. You know, we start, get, start to get to simulation style blasters and that sort of stuff. Mm. Those drills are going to make sense. So... Do you think that if we did gas-operated without the blowback, mm. um, so it was gas-operated but didn't have that felt recall mm. aspect, which would be technologically simpler, mm-hmm. um, would that be something you'd wait until the blowback version came out? Um, so for me, it's less about the blowback and more about the the instant availability of ammo, so being able to rack it, basically, yep. right? Yep. Um, so, you know, for example, when the P1 first came out, I was blown away, right? I know there's a lot of people that are, that'll, you know, crap on the P1, but funnily enough, it also seems to be the most reliable. Still yeah. selling now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, so I actually HPA tapped uh, my P1 recently. But the, the thing that is, for me, is, is the, the most valuable is the fact that it's magazine in, ammo's ready to go. Hmm. It lets you do that drill. You don't need the blowback. The blowback's fun, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about being able to drill that and, and really kind of, that starts to set the immersion for that CQB stuff, for sure. Hmm. I got really excited when um, they were talking about uh, the the one that Tactoys does now, the, the electric pistol with blowback. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I was really yeah. looking forward to that. And then when it came, I was... I really felt let down, even though they'd made some of the changes that I needed to make to make it work. Mm. Um, and I just wonder whether, like, where are we going to go next? What's yeah. after gas blowback? That's a, sorry, honestly, that's a really interesting question. I, I just don't know if there's much more beyond that. Like, I know mm. that there are some 
uh, in the airsoft world, I know that there are some electric style simulation blasters. So, um, was it Tokyo Maroi has their next generation recall system, and it's got you know pretty similar functionality to what a, to, to what a gas blowback is. Yeah. Um, I've always I've always thought the electric like that that timing of having the electric blowback pistol alongside the gas stuff I've always thought was weird. Mm. Um, I know that there are some very specific fields that don't allow gas, and so as a part of that, it's like yeah, fair enough that that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see the point of it. Um, yeah. Just you know when we talk about performance and all that sort of stuff as well, it's yeah. It, I think it, it should just be price point the yeah. um, the three DG. Mm. It's about a hundred dollar blaster. Yeah, it's not a thousand dollar blaster. Yeah, but the gas blasters, there is a lot more technology and effort to get them off the ground. Mm-hmm. I see them being a higher price point. Mm. Not everyone can afford that, but they yep. still want to have a pistol that's plenty of fun. And I, I see the three DG and the Brit M twenty two, and there's a new SKD Glock coming out that's yep. got the fourteen point four. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah. Um, so that sort of stuff, I see a place for it, and. Mm. I remember having a chat to Morkai when we were standing up EP1 about limited capacity magazines. And yeah, we were trying right. to work out a way with the J9 level of technology. We were at Gen 9. We weren't... I don't even think we had the ACRs back then, the J10s. Mm. And we are like, if we're going to do 30-round mags, how do, do we do that? Yeah. There wasn't... Like, we sat there and we played with it and went, all right, we'll, we'll load the people's mags and give them to them and we and yeah, but just then wasn't stop them doing these yeah, ones. There, yeah, there's no practical way of doing low capper. But yeah. with if if we got a P1 adapter mm-hmm. that we could put inside an M4 shell, put the the working parts in there, yeah. and then put a P1 mag in the mag well, we could make that work. A low it's, cap, yeah. It's not beyond the realms of possibility, and I'm sure there's some hacksmith out there now going. <laughs> you got me tracked i'm yeah. doing that <laughs> i'm buying six p1s tomorrow well it's um so look it's it's kind of funny so the because i think the issue in terms of having a, a low cap magazine right so again airsoft world i have a spring called coiled all the way through the magazine and then you just you know load however mm-hmm. many is appropriate but the biggest issue has been in the past about well how do you put gels in without the spring crushing them on the way through yeah. so i think look i think the there is a solution to to getting that technology working. Mm. Um, I know a few guys that are looking at some some ways of doing it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is really tough because even even like you know you, in terms of these these mid to high caps that we're using, uh, the issue being, of course, is you know for those of you that kind of don't know how the magazines work properly, is that you know if you only put thirty rounds in, it's not going to work mm. because there's not enough gels to feed up yeah. the up the tube. But yeah, it is. Um, it is. It, I think it's it's a it's an interesting challenge. Uh, mm. But then at the same time, you know, when we talk about low cap stuff, I know there's a lot of guys that you know want to do pistol only matches and that sort of stuff, and that is really fun stuff. Um, mm. But you know, then then we're talking about guys that have only got gas blowback pistols, or you know, you then only got a limit of was it like 17 rounds or something like that. Mm. So yeah, you start to run into your own challenges there as well. What one of the refs here that's been a primary since day one, Jake, mm. he wants to run a John Wick match where it's just CO two pistols and pump action CO two blasters. Yeah. Like down he wants to run it down here or yeah, at yeah, the junkyard. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and literally he wants people to wear suits and <laughs> like get right into the cosplay. And that's yeah. cool. That's yeah. like it's not for everyone. And I'd love to do that. Mm. But I can't see a hundred people rocking up for it. Hundred percent. You're yeah, because you, you again it's that same thing. We're in a niche. Yeah. Right, and now you're talking about okay. Now we only want guys that show up that have actually got gas pistols, yeah, uh, or gas shotguns, and mm. that want to dress up. 
<laughs> and they've never been here before and they might like coming and yeah. they're not stuck to X field and Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There's the same other things going on. The, uh, I would say though, you know, it's, it's funny, that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, those, those drills and everything that you've seen, you know, obviously we're, we're training down here using the CQB environment. I would say that it is set up very well to run that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, incredibly fun space to play in. Yeah, for, for those in the public that don't know, we have four different groups that come here one night a week. Mm. So your Mondays... We've Tuesdays. Got a, Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, the, the Monday guys, they're here now. That's who I was yep. waving to a second ago. Yep. Um, they're an established mill sim team. Mm. You guys come here on a Tuesday. Mm. There's a speedball team that comes here on a Wednesday. And yep. there's a junior speedball team that's about to start coming here on a Thursday. Awesome. And they just make a small donation to Wounded Heroes and they mm. come down here and they do their own things. Um, yeah. In the past, there was ones where we'd run training, mm. but you can. There's only so much you can train a team to do, without being the font of all knowledge, but, and you can't. Nobody knows everything. Yeah, you've you've spoken about the challenges of, of running training stuff before. Oh. <laughs> it's a dirty word. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to uh, Bob Davis mm. about it because we're looking at doing. Um, the next Milsim I'm involved in, Milsoft. The Milsoft, it's not right. Milsim. Yeah. Um, he said, "What training do you want provided?" And I wrote this paragraph about training's a dirty word, and uh, I just don't know how to broach that subject mm. because whilst I want people to get higher levels of skill, mm. there are people that have a level of skill that are competable that don't need somebody to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to find a, a venue where you can go, I don't care what your skill level is, mm. let's just play Yeah. Um, in a Milsim environment. I think mm. Jace does that well mm. um, and I think it's something that I need to learn how to do better mm. in, in going, this isn't training, this is an event yep. and let the people play. Don't. Yeah, they're going to jump on your squad, just let them jump on, Yeah. like literally. Yeah, yeah. I think, look, and, a, and it's, a, it's an interesting thing, right? Because I think a lot of it always comes down to expe- expectation from the players, mm. right? Is do they know in any event, right? Is, is when they're going to show up somewhere, is, are their expectations in alignment with whoever is, you know, delivering that or, or running that event? And I yeah. think there's a lot of times where it's very, very easy for people to get their wires crossed. And the, I think even just the name Milsim, Right, I, and I know you know you've had why conversations. This exactly right. <laughs> it, it, you know, I've seen it. I've heard those conversations. It's just the fact that that name triggers different impressions and understandings of what that means, right? Yeah. And it could be anything. Like you could even say, even if you step away from Milsim, and again, if we talk about speedball, right, you can say I'm running a speedball competition. Is that you, the, for those guys that have played or have seen different types of speedball formats? Can it all show up if they don't read the rules or they don't understand? You know what's going on? Mm. Then there's going to be an absolute mix-up when the when the yeah. competition is running, and I, I think that just applies to, for all of that. Yeah. Um. And you know this idea of running a a more casual and introductory kind of approach to the to the milsim space, mm. I think that's fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's, I think again, it's going to be that same thing where it's like, okay, you know, obviously, experienced guys going to show up. It's no, it's, it's like yeah. no I, question I about. I want the experienced guys to show up. Yeah, but I don't want the new guys to feel like the experienced guys are looking down on, even if they're not. Yeah. I yeah. don't want the impression that other people will judge them. Yeah, yeah. That's the elitism. That's the hard sell. Yes. No. Absolutely. Um. But you know, I think starting to foster that environment though, it's it's really good, and it's just a matter of. As long as, you know, everyone's kind of understanding there. If the experienced guys show up, if there's an expectation, it's like, hey, guys, you know, mm-hmm. you hit a mentor. 
Yeah. Right, so be friendly. <laughs> yeah. It's under your wing, yeah. Not under your cane. Show them how to, yeah. Show yeah. them how to roll, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, and just show be them, chill. Show them by example, yeah. not by instruction. Yeah, yeah, and and there's there's definitely a I think um, there needs to be an understanding as well as it's like, hey, look, we're here to have fun, mm. right? Uh, yeah, I think there's there's some guys out there that just want to be hard down the line. It's like, and that's why I like the term it. millsoft because. Yeah. It's very hard to take the term Millsoft too seriously, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Millsim, people get... And I get wrapped around the axles about what Millsim is yeah. and what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. Millsoft says, hey, yeah. let's be soft. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. the whole point. <laughs> Military style. Yeah. 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 Paramilitary style softness. <laughs> yeah. Cucumber sandwiches and cold fairy bread. <laughs> Only a few people know that joke. Um, so any blasters that are on the horizon that you are pining for? Hell yeah, man. Well, actually, so firstly, I mean, you've just said that the, the gas MP5 is... I've not, seen it firing. A, really? It is, it is very, very nice. Wow. Yeah. So... I'll show you after this. I can't share yeah, it, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but I can show you. We'll describe the sounds to you later in the next episode. Um, yeah, look, so MP5, absolutely. So I've got, I've got a couple of... Uh, HPA engines sitting on my bench waiting, waiting. to be installed. Um, what do they fit into? Is that like a V2 shape? Yeah. Or is it its own thing totally? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's a little simpler than that in the, the, the core of it is basically re- is replacing the cylinder in any blaster, right? Yeah. The cylinder is the engine. Yeah. Um, but then there's a trigger board similar to your MOSFETs that yeah. then mounts into the gearbox. So um, you can use the same engine in a v3 you can use it in a gen 8 you can use it in a v2 style uh, as long as you know the tricks to get the trigger board to mount and all that sort of stuff as well mm-hmm. for the v3 stuff they have a, a specific um, trigger board so it all fits yep. in so for the most part depending on what you have it just drops right in and then you can do all sorts of funky stuff to to get it to work like i've seen it working with a vector it's crazy right yeah. um but yeah so i've got a couple engines sitting there so i've been absolutely waiting for a uh, metal mp5 right um We've been wanting one for a very long time. <laughs> I know Tac Edge has got some coming. Um, and then we're also waiting on Watt to bring in uh, a couple. So there's a, I know there's a limited run coming in. That's a very, very cool shell. Um, and look, I know they, they had issues with the, um, the, the nickname Scar 1000 uh, shell <laughs> that came in, you know, a while ago. But for me, what's really cool is like, I know I'm going to HPA this thing straight away. So yeah. don't really care. Uh, whatever's going to be on the internals of that. So, yeah, look, I'm waiting for MP5s. That's, like, the, the biggest thing I'm waiting for. Gas MP5s are really cool. Um, I've heard of a... Uh, what do you call it? Um, the SIG uh, MCX. So they're bringing in MCX at some point. That's what I know of. And, yeah. and of course, those gas MP5s. So I feel like there's a lot more going on that I don't know about. There's a few bolt-action rifles on the horizon, but they yeah. could be six, eight months away yet. Interesting, and uh, so the car ninety eight landed not so long ago. Ah, oh, true. Gas. Yeah, people are waiting. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I, I heard that those are coming from Double Bell, I think, or they've got some other stuff. Yeah. So, they, look, there's like it's one of those things where I think, I think what I get caught up in too much is that there's a lot of talk about all the cool stuff, and then, yeah. oh, hey, we'll just wait two years for that to arrive. Oh yeah. Um, Have you ever spoken to Joanna? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. Oh yeah, it's coming next month. <laughs> And talk to me about yeah, M16, yeah. I tell you. So, yeah, so it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, it's just a matter of I don't know how long we'll be waiting, um, you know, and hopefully we'll start seeing a lot more cool stuff landing soon. But, you know, the whole world's had 
troubles with you know COVID and all sorts yep. of stuff, and now trade with China as well. So I guess I guess we'll see what happens. And then I do hear that there's some cool stuff going on with uh, one of the other major retailers as well that might see some you know stuff coming from Taiwan and all that sort of stuff as well, which would be very very nice. Mm-hmm. I know of at least one retailer that's been talking to a major company in Taiwan. I can't say the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Another couple. Another couple of. Um, the wholesalers have spoken to that company as well. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of negotiations going on. I would love to see us move from the China model to the Taiwan model myself, mm-hmm. um, knowing what the quality assurance and quality control on Taiwanese production is like compared to China. Absolutely. Yes, the price point will rise. Yeah. But the quality will rise exponentially, I think. It's, it's actually... The price point's an interesting conversation because I... Um, was having a chat with some of the guys that are you know dealing with Japan and that sort of stuff now as well. It's um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I know that you know there's there's a certain price point that's been around for gel blasters as it is, but where we're starting to get into a bit of a sticky point is I think you know like you say as you start getting that higher quality, uh, you know whether it's from Taiwan, whether it's even if it's from Europe or whatever. Oh, I can else. buy a real Glock for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people that throw that around, yeah. and, and it, it's really it must be really tough as well as a retailer, right? Because it's going to be well, you know, well, do we continue with the margins that we had? And it's going to, you know, mm. be in a, in a very large, mm-hmm. sorry, a very high price point for that stuff. It's it's not easy. Yeah, it's like any business, there mm. is a risk proposition. You mm. go, okay, I'm going to throw my house at this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to literally take sell my house, <laughs> throw that money at something. Yeah. And... For that person to make that risk, mm. we need, as a community, we need to reward them in yeah. some way. Yeah, exactly. And and that is the, where the price point in Australia is. Mm. Taking, like, um, I think about the Bin Feng Mac 10. Mm. I know the guy that was the first guy that had them in Australia, mm. and he had the first couple of cartons, they were air freighted in, and he was so excited, mm. and they were a lemon. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they are yeah, a piece yeah. of crap. But that's the risk. But that's the risk. Yeah. Um, and that guy took the risk, threw the money down, got him here, air freight. And mm. you can imagine what, like, cartons oh, yeah. <laughs> of yeah, yeah, Mac yeah. 10s. Um, and that didn't work out for that guy. And there's mm. other guys that have waited for the slow boat and done the sneaky peaky corporate espionage <laughs> like being the first <laughs> and done the mergers yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And got the X item here first. It looked at tack edge with the, the minigun. Mm. I can't imagine what the setup costs on getting some company in Japan or China or wherever going to them and going, that $1,000 US dollar minigun, I want you to go and change everything you do about that so it works for me Mm. and I only want 100 of them. Yeah. Could you imagine what that company would say to that person? Mm. Well, the price is twice as much. Yeah. And and it's one of those (laughs) things that I say, oh, yeah, we'll charge you twice as much thinking, oh, they won't do it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Look, um... I was yeah. party to a conversation with a guy talking to a paintball factory in China this week. Yeah, right. And they were talking about gas blowback mm. and gas-operated rifles. Mm. Um, and once they had the discussions about it, the Chinese guys are going, look, it's going to be too expensive. It's going to be this amount of dollars. Mm. And the guy went, you know, I can do that. Yeah, right. Because he can see what they will retail for. Yeah. He can yeah. take that risk and go, yeah, that's... Yes, I'm going to have to throw my house and my car and my dog at this and yeah. a kidney for, and my yeah. firstborn child, but yeah. then that'll all get come back. Yeah, yeah. 
I think, and it's funny, right? Like that stuff you talk about, I think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah. In, you know, whether it's risk, whether it's all the overheads, everything of just running a business. Yeah. Like there's no point. I think there are a lot of people out there that will complain about price point and then not realize like, yeah, sure, you could go and pay the Chinese price and try and get it in yourself. But yeah. you miss out on the convenience, you miss out on you know, all the risk, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then at the other end of it, it's like at the same time, that person also is trying to make a living, mm. you know, in, in doing this stuff. So there's a, there's a, a point there that you've got to, Except, yeah, th- it's hard because you've got to find a point that's fair, that's mm. not gouging, that's not undercutting. That's mm. and like I think about the previous retail stuff I did before gel blasters, and it was essentially there was an industry collusion on what the price should be, yeah, and it was this unwritten agreement that okay, you're selling it for that, no one else is going to sell, it. and it, nobody spoke about it, but it yeah. was just. Don't sell it for less than anyone else because <laughs> then yeah. everyone loses. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but that doesn't seem to exist <laughs> in gel blasters. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting space. Yeah. Uh, look, it's not two litres of milk at Woolies where you can yeah. just go, oh, I'll take a loss on that because I'll come in on something else. But yeah. look, there are some items that I... Because uh, I talk to people on the back end and you look at the price of X item and you go... I know what that costs in China. Mm. Yes, it's a pain in the butt and everything else. Uh, and then you sell it for what? Mm. And, like, I know the ins and outs of that and I feel like it's ripping people <laughs> off. But, look, some guys have got to get rewarded for innovation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as much as I'll rag on some of the, the guys out there mm. privately, I won't do it publicly because... They're doing something. Well, and look, the other thing is, I think at the end of the day, if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't be where we are as, a, as an industry, to be honest. Yeah. Right? So. Look, me and Peter Clark, we don't see eye to eye on yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But I will always stand up for the fact that whether people think that he supports the industry or not, mm. this industry owes a lot to Peter's persistence and yeah. his attitude and his business acumen. Mm. Whether you like why he's in the industry and his opinions on things yeah. doesn't mean that we're not here because of him or here because of him or or any of that stuff. And, and people forget about 2016 and 2017. They were mm. very formative years in the gel ball industry and people go, oh, but it's only been around for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, I tried my hand at retail and I yeah. failed miserably and mm. that just is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I don't spite other people for succeeding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen plenty of guys try and fail. I've seen businesses come and go. Everyone knows a business that they used to buy a lot of stuff from that doesn't exist now. Mm. Um, everyone knows a little guy that they'll go to for some stuff and there's guys that you go to and you'll never go to again. And yeah, yeah. But is that any different to a roast chicken place? No. Yeah. It's just business. Just business. Um, what else can we talk about? I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you want to know? Um, what's the plans? What's the next evolution in soft tops? Next evolution in soft tops. Um, there's, look, there's a bit that's going on that I'll talk about, and there's some stuff that I won't. Oh, obviously. <laughs> like, and don't feel pressured to talk about things no, that no, you're not no. ready to. No, no, absolutely. So, look, uh, look, soft tops has gone through an interesting kind of. I guess, interesting journey. So, I mean, I early on already said, alluded to the fact that I kind of, like I started Soft Tops because I couldn't find information, mm. right? I simply couldn't find places to play. 
Um, so it all started just as the battle list, which was yep. just a static image, you know, they yep. shared around and it just went on fire. So I thought, you know what, that's the test. That's, that's my test. So I started, um, building an app around it cause I knew people would want to, would want to use it. So that app is now out, right? I mean, if you yep. haven't seen it, soft ops, that app, you can go there and you can see where all the games are and a few bits of news and that sort of stuff. Um, but for me, there's, there's a lot of room for growth in how we, uh, you know, cover job or how we pre- like how we produce media, how we, you know, provide and build content around the space. Yeah. So for me, there's, there's a couple of things that I'm focusing on. One is I'm, I'm working on update, updates to the app. I know a lot of people love it, right? I've had really, really good feedback, but at the same time I can look at it and know exactly where there's problems and things that I need to kind of enhance and upgrade. So people have a much better time finding stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one component. But then the other side is, you know, I, in terms of the content space, I'm, I'm working on ways so that we can start having kind of, I guess, higher quality content, you know, whether it's uh, reviews or community contributions to, you know, reviews of gear and all that sort of stuff as well, for the most part. And look, I don't, I'm not trying to rag on, you know, content that's out there, but I think for the most part, if you look around, content is, you know, a lot of reviews are literally someone posts on Facebook is shooting a can in the backyard and says, oh, look, she goes, she's a ripper. Yeah. Right? And you're like, yeah, oh, okay. Oh, through that can <laughs> at four centimetres. How cool yeah. is that? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of room to go on that. And that was part of, you know, when I created the HPA, the HPA overview, it's kind mm-hmm. of like the direction that I'm trying to take with that. Um, and we're trying to, uh, myself and a few other people are trying to just focus on really lifting that up. Um, lifting up the quality of, of, of reviews and information that's put out there. Um, but the other thing that's that's kind of churning in the back of my mind in, in terms of that content production, and I've, I've spoken to, to Dan Tyne about this as well, I've spoken to a few guys that I play with, is in my head, I wonder why is it that, and this actually steers us back to the Milsom space, right, is, again, if you, so I, for, for, for everyone's kind of record here, I played in the, the speedball format at Hardcore Blasters, right, so I played in their league. Um, and that was the first like speedball thing that I did, but it was really, really fun. But one of the things I've noticed, whether it's hardcore or whether it's Speedsoft Australia or Gorilla Blasters, you know, or even the, uh, the Gel City League as well, is a lot of those speedball formats, for the most part, if they're done correctly, are really easy to spectate. They're actually a really engaging format. Um, people can enter those games with very little experience. They'll probably get rolled, but they're going to have a good time, right? Uh, and it's, it's really straightforward. Um, the rules are really straightforward and all that sort of stuff as well. But then when we talk about Milsim, right, um, or even, even if we step yeah. away from Milsim itself and just think, okay, the military theme, the tactical, CQB, or outdoors, yeah. is there is nothing out there that is, is as engaging as something like SpeedQB. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's a number of different things that contribute to it. One is that obviously for it to be for us to be able to spectate a sport like that, there needs to be the right venue and setup. If it's out in the bush, that's going to be boring as hell. You'd be looking at trees. Um, but, you know, even if we're talking indoor, you know, tactical arenas, that sort of stuff. I know, uh, I think it's in the US, they've got um, Battle Arena and they, they're starting yeah. to play around with some interesting mm-hmm. rules. Um, but the idea is that like, why is it that we don't have, whether it's media, just general content that's really engaging and, and enjoyable, similar to the SpeedQB format, uh, or, or why is it that we're not starting to play around with, well, what about the guys that are looking for something a little bit different but want to be able to compete? And we're not saying compete seriously, yeah. right? But, you know, just being able to have uh, a really good go um, at at working as a team to solve problems, to get through things and beat another team, yeah. right? And, and that's what I mean. Like when I played the, uh, the Spec Ops CT games in 2019, it's so weird. Yeah, because it was meant to be one this year. So in 2019... 
Um, that was the first taste of that kind of setup for me, and it was really, really good. But the, the and I've, I've spoken to Francis about this as well. But it's it's like I think the the frustrating part about it is it's so hard to watch, right? Mm. Um, and it's just because they don't, they just didn't have the facilities set up to watch it. Um, but I think yeah, for me, look, I'm 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 working with a few people to try and start looking into what are some other you know formats that we can play. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to what's going with this mill soft stuff as well. Um, because I think, look, you know, I think you're onto something in that there's something there around how do we, how do we have formats of gameplay that allow people to come and try it? And as you say, they don't feel like they're getting, you know, looked down upon or mm. anything like that. Um, but then at the same time in, in, in having it shown in a way, whether it's online through live streams or whether it's people literally just sitting there on the sidelines watching, uh, in a way that's actually engaging and fun to watch mm. because, you know, there's, I think it's easily forgotten that as much as there are people that enjoy playing, there's people that enjoy collecting. There's actually a lot of people that enjoy watching. Look at airsoft. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's, there's a reason why there's so many big channels out there is if it's done in the right way and it's engaging enough, um, you know, there are, there, there are people out there that will simply just watch it. And in, in my mind, that's really good for growth. Yeah. Right, and and that's I guess that's probably what I'm getting to is you know I've had conversations with Dan and a few other people as well where it's just like that's all we really should be focusing on is just growth, yeah. right? Is is the positivity? There's a lot of friction and stuff going on in the community, but at the end of the day, if all we're doing is focusing on things getting bigger, bringing more people into the fold, insulating the sport in you know in terms of making sure thing the wrong things aren't being done, um, then it's a, that's only a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose the the flow on for that the question that. I'll pose for the audience is would soft ops be a place that becomes a hub for that media content? Mm. Uh, I would love it to be. Yeah. Honestly. Um, so because for me mm. spending the, the time that I've got, I don't have time to go looking for the new content mm. on YouTube or Facebook or wherever else. Mm. I rely on other people getting that to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like I watch Beard and Blaster Club and I watch mm. Timmy Dope and I watch mm. um, Vague Strategist and a yep. few of those guys. And, um, yeah, but I, I can see that if we can get some high-level content, um, the growth could be phenomenal. Yeah. And, look, you know, the guys that you mentioned, one of the one of the things I'm trying to do, and it's a part of the updates and everything I'm working on as well, is I want people to be able to come in and not only, like, obviously if there's news articles written people want to read stuff they can read it but having essentially for lack of a better term calling it like soft ops tv right but it's just where you know whether it's community youtube submissions and, and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. is exactly what you're talking about it's like you know what i don't want the distraction of facebook i don't want the distraction of all the other stuff yeah. out there i literally just want i just want my you know my yeah, gel ball I, I want to never think yeah. for gel ball yeah exactly <laughs> um so yeah look th- there's stuff like that that i want to do and allow community members to contribute and stuff but the other thing I, you know, I really want to work on is is being able to start getting access to these, you know, whether it's new products, new technology, that sort of stuff, and being able to do these decent reviews that allow people to actually understand what's going on yeah. uh, and present it in that way, so people can make that decision, and say, hell yeah, I want that, or yeah, yeah maybe not. Yeah, the other thing that I think is vital in in those types of content creators is the feedback to the manufacturers and the importers yeah. to say. This is the vibe on the street. People want a Colt seven three three, or mm. they want an XM one seven seven E two. This is what people want next. Yeah. Um, I remember again when the the Mac ten came out. There was a lot of hype. Everyone's going, yeah, yeah, we want the Mac ten. Um, 
but the sales didn't match what people were saying online. So yeah. it wasn't the the truth of what people wanted wasn't they like they like the idea of Mac Ten, but were they ready to spend the money on it? Well, and you know that online voice is really interesting, right? Mm. Because I think what's easy to forget in the online communities is is generally speaking the voices you're going to see, yep. right? It's like two ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be someone's like really, really keen on something and happy with it or they have the other end and they're really, really unhappy with it. Yep. And so it's it's a very difficult litmus test to then make a decision about well, what should we actually bring in. Yep. But it's interesting that you talk about, you know, the getting that feedback to the retailers because the same thing, uh, you know, in Airsoft, I know, and it's a lot easier because it's, it's a lot more established in, you know, yeah, worldwide for that sort of stuff. But well, they, I look at the archery world and yeah. I look at the gun world. Yeah, they send out products to independent people, yep. free of charge, and yep. go, go and mess with yeah, this, break it, and yeah. then tell us what to do different. Yeah, they have that involvement in it, and then mm. when you're ready, we'll send you the final one yeah. and do a review on it. Absolutely. And there's no fiscal involvement in that. Yeah. It's not produced by the companies themselves. Mm. Sure, Remington does this and Hoyt does that, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But the industry is driven by those end users mm. and their opinions on the product. 100% agree. 100% agree. I, I, I support Aussie reviews on Patreon, yeah. not because of the politics of guns or whatever else, mm. because of his independence yeah. on gun stuff. And because of his stance on dual blasters. Yeah, right. And, and it's funny, right? Because that support, that support through things like Patreon for those creators is actually yeah. what enables, enables them to do it. Because yeah. they're not, as you say, there's no financial involvement. So they're not getting paid to do those reviews. Mm-hmm. But they need to be able to have the time, equipment, and all that sort of stuff yeah. to be able to do it. Uh, and we look at the table in front of us. Yeah. This is a prime example of the, where pa- my Patreon money goes. You yeah. can see where it's going here. It's not five cents. And... I don't do this because I'm involved in the industry. It's because mm. I'm passionate about the subject. Yeah. Um, Thank you to those supporters, by the way. His setup is very nice. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow it. Yeah. I actually had on Facebook until about two weeks ago, I had, you can rent my podcast equipment. Yeah, right. And pod- Facebook decided that I was providing a service. Uh, so they said, you can't sell that. I'm like, I'm not selling it. I'm renting it. <laughs> and I'm not like, it's come rent the gear, take it away, bring yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, again, I Mm. want somebody to go, all right, I'm producing some content now. I want to up the ante, but I don't know if I want to spend that $1,100 on that one bit of kit. I want to borrow that bit of kit. Yeah. Try it. Figure it out, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, the the only reason I can afford that stuff is because of Patreon. Mm. Um, Because I am not made of money. (laughs) It's funny that somebody that is at the field goes, oh, you're so rich. And I'm like, do you want (laughs) to see my bank balances? And I showed them my bank balances yeah. and they went, oh. your net worth is hundreds of thousands negative. And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, there's nothing yeah, on there that says that. plus. Yeah. It's all debit, 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 yeah. debit. How do you get that in debt? Well, you start with a house. <laughs> and, <then laughs> and, and you go downhill from And a credit card. And yeah. then you buy shiny things and you get old. Yeah. But yeah, and, and that's, look, everyone's like that. The, the ignorance of youth. Um, Let's talk about your partner. Mm-hmm. She's a big supporter of you, what you're doing. Absolutely. You couldn't do it without her, could you? No, no way. Um, it's a, yeah, it's kind of funny, man. Like, so early on, my partner was actually playing with us as well. She'd play on a regular basis. Um, but, and, you know, she's all for what I do, 100%. And 
she seems to approve of a lot of the purchases that I make. <laughs> <laughs> Out loud, maybe not, maybe yeah. not on the uh, on the inside voice. Yeah. But yeah, look, you know, it's it's. It's one of those things. There's absolutely no way that I'd be able to go out and do the things that I do. Um, time, money, you know, all that sort of stuff. Support in general. And, you know, there's a lot of times as well where even on the on the soft op stuff, she's picking up the slack where it's, you know, messages to the inbox and moderating and all that sort of stuff as well. You know, having, having the support of my partner has been absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, same goes to some of the mates and stuff that have been helping me along the way as well. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand how much um, that people in the industry rely on their families and their partners and their kids to to prop up what they're doing to give up stuff um, yeah for people to be doing what they're doing um yeah, dan's yeah. an example yeah um he gives up a lot of his own time to do stuff yeah he runs Ausgel. yeah he's mm. tied in with x y and z but um dan does a lot freely and so do so many other people yeah um I, I, and i can be critical of anyone i could have a crack at command delete mm. but they give yeah Absolutely. I've seen them do wonderful things in the community. So yeah. everyone puts in somewhere. Yeah, it's, um, you know, even I think in my early days, I think we were organising a raffle or something um, uh, for one of the guys down in ACT. And it was actually, it was kind of mind-blowing because for me, coming from kind of the outside and then having these conversations with different retailers and all that sort of stuff, everyone started chipping in, right? Mm. Um, and we ended up with this prize pool that was just ridiculously yeah lit. yeah I remember. absolutely mind-blowing yeah. tell you what it draw, drawing the drawing the prizes was <laughs> was a little scary to be honest when yeah. i came out of that but yeah look you know it, it's kind of it's kind of funny just seeing everyone lean in like that and you think oh hang on a minute you know there's mm. there are a lot of i think there's a lot of politics on the outside i know there's obviously a lot of politics on the inside but there's i think when when everyone needs to come together they do yeah uh and it's very difficult for a lot of people to see that yeah, and I do look. There's honestly, there's no reason why the majority of people would need to or would want to or anything yep. like that. But yeah, there's there's a lot that people are putting in, and not all of them are not all not all of them even have a, a financial gain or interest. It's literally Absolutely. they just want to see the sport grow, or they have a passion for something, yep. and so they just throw their weight behind these things. It's very easy to forget. Yeah, I, I I can say, in the last six weeks, um. Large financial contributions have been given to us by Donnybrook. Mm. Uh, and I'm talking about Wounded Heroes here. Donnybrook has given us large stuff. Yep. Tack Edge has given us large stuff. Mm. Command Elite has chipped in for um, the Sander stuff that we're doing. Yep. Uh, Oddsgel has chipped in for stuff. Mm. M4A1 has offered stuff for stuff that we're doing that's totally unrelated to Gel Ball. He said, I run this other business, does this thing, can I give yeah, you one of them? You. Yeah. Um, and that absolutely enables what Wounded Heroes does on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And 99% of those guys don't ask yeah. for us to mention that. Um, and, and it's hard to then hear people hack on those guys. And I have disagreements with those guys at times. Everyone yeah. does. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we need to be a community. Yeah, and it, it really goes back to that point, right, is is despite all the stuff that, that goes on in between, is it's it's growth. Yep. Right? It's and people can make mistakes and learn from them and mm. change. Yeah. that That's the biggest thing I've seen in the last 12 months is people did things into the industry and they saw what that meant mm-hmm. for themselves and for the industry and they changed what they were doing. Yeah. 
um, some people have done that really, really well, mm. and some people have done that poorly. I think, yeah, you get, and you got to give them credit for it, right? Because it's, it's one of those things where, even as individuals, it can be very difficult to admit or recognize if, if, if you've been doing something that wasn't right and say, actually, yep. you know what, we do need to change. Yep. You know, there's, there's some stubborn and people out there that just wouldn't do it. Look, it is really easy to go, tack toys, they're a bunch of wankers, mm. Corey's got a squeaky voice, all that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. But there's a lot of support. Like, I find it very hard to hack on tack toys knowing some of the things they've done for me behind the scenes. Yeah, right. When I've rocked up there on a Saturday and gone, shit, my chrono's just crapped itself at the field. Yeah. All three of them are shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they might give me one or give me one at cost or yeah. whatever else. And they don't have to do that. Mm. They can, like any other retailer, they could just go, well, the price is the price, mate. Yeah. Um, so they do some stuff that I don't agree with too. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the industry for you. <laughs> it's uh, interesting. All right, so we've done an hour and a quarter now. Mm-hmm. You want to keep talking? You got something you want to know? Uh, talk about them. What do you got coming for Christmas? What have I got coming for Christmas? Yeah, hopefully an MP5. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll be here in time. Just like those tidy M16s. Oh, uh, yep. Mm. Yeah, no. Honestly, I have no. Actually, there is one thing I know of that I that is under the tree for me, uh, which is the I got a. Uh, what do you call it? Um, what is it with beeping in this podcast? Yeah, I know, right. Um, so Spec Ops, they've got like a little store sitting there now. And so they're actually selling sword equipment and they've mm-hmm. got these really nice rigs. It's absolutely overkill for job ball. But yeah, I know I've got one of those sitting on the tree, which is... You know what I say? What? Pay once, cry once. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I was, I was, uh, who was, I was talking to, I was talking to Ray or someone, someone else. I don't know. We we're, were actually talking about that is, you know, in, in with gear and, and actually it might've been, it might've even been Dan as well as part of the chat. But it's just one of those things where you come into the sport and at first it's like, I want a cool gun or a cool blaster more accurately and I want to get some gear, but you don't want to break the bank doing it, right? And so you go and get this cheap gear, but then over time you realize you're going to slowly upgrade. But then by the end of it, you've probably spent triple the amount (laughs) than if you had just gone and got the good stuff to begin with. I had an interesting conversation with a guy that bought one of the Watt uh, HK416A5s. That's only, that's only just hit, hit the market, It's right? been here for five minutes. Yeah. That's his first blaster. Wow. He what, didn't what, have, they, what were they retailing for at the moment? Like 785 Damn. At, and look, it They're is good what quality, it is. right? The shell, the shell yeah, spot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got one here if you want to have a yeah, look at it. Yeah, I'll have a poke around, yeah. Um, but the, the point for me was, he went, look, I've got the money now. Mm. I'll get this. And in two years' time, I won't be looking for something else or... I don't have to take it to a tech and, and get the A mm. and the B and the C. Mm. I don't know all that stuff, so yep. I'll just buy the good one. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Which is an interesting... Not uh, like I know nothing about the internals of that, that blaster, mm. right? But it, it's an interesting take on that where someone's walked in and said, this is what I'm going to get, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to do anything. It's like, it's only been on the market five minutes. How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. um, I, I think there's certainly... There's certainly something about the quality of shells. Like I, I'm pretty sure I'd seen the prototype for that, um, so I've got a good idea of what that looks like. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but the other, I guess the other side as well is that you know same thing as you can go and get a nylon blaster or whatever it may be, and then over time you start buying all the metal parts anyway, and you mm. end up with something that never looked like looks nothing like it started. Yeah. As you say, you've only paid once. Yep. Yeah. It's the old an- analogy with the axe. Yeah. It's had three heads and four handles, and it's the best <laughs> axe I've ever had. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But look, 
that that's not everyone. Yeah. Um, look, people know that I sell the J nines we have after X amount of rentals, and we sell yeah. them for a hundred bucks. Yeah, and they're perfect for the single mum or the whoever doesn't have the budget. Yeah. It allows them to get a blaster and a mag and a and a yeah. that they know is working right now. They can go and play with it today. Yeah. Um, and it's a hundred bucks. There's not many places you can do that. Yeah, and you know, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, thing that you point out there as well. So one thing I've noticed at Fields lately, uh, so just talking about, you know, budgets and, and entry-level stuff, right? One thing I've noticed at Fields lately, I mean, firstly, it, it's starting to quiet down a little bit, but when I've been playing at certain areas, um, there have been a lot of rentals, a mm. lot. Like, yeah. I'm talking, there are a few sessions where I think there were 40 rentals showing up in a public session so it wasn't a private session or anything like that yep. and it's it's groups of um you know school kids soccer clubs work groups all sorts of stuff i think you know it's i'm not sure if it's just because it's the season i mean you know we're all locked up for covid for you know lord yeah. knows how long it, look it is the breakup season it's mm. always going to be those parties but is it is it that gel blasting is the new laser tag i think it is yeah you talk to dennis mm. at um mango hill skirmish yeah about his transition in the last 12 months from um, half a dozen SCAR V2s as his rental blasters mm. to over 100 J10s. Wow. With drum mags and, and, and. That's a lot of rentals. He must we, be burning. We've got 65 rental blasters yeah. here every weekend. How often, and how often do you reckon you, like, you're using a lot of those? Normally go 30 to 40 yeah. on an average session. Yeah. Wow. Because... Like, for me, we are the entry-level field. Mm. We get people here, they have their first experience, and the first thing we tell them is we're not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Go everywhere. Try yeah. everything. Go and see Cassie. Go and play yeah. at Gel City. Yeah. Go and try Speedball. Yeah. Find what's right for you. Yeah. Because not everyone likes what we do. It's funny. Like, it's... I noticed there's... And I think a few people would see it as well, when you, especially when you start bouncing around between fields... There are very different atmospheres, um, very different demographics and people that show up mm. as well. And, and that's the one thing I've noticed here a lot is, well, I don't know if it's always new players, but there's there's definitely, a, a it's hard to describe that it, it feels more family friendly here than many other fields. It's not that other fields aren't, it's just that there's, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a weird, there's everyone one rule that we have that no other field has. Mm. There is no lower age limit. Mm. Yeah, right. Many fields have, you must be yeah, 10, like you eight, must be 10. 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, to be here by yourself, 14 or above, mm. mum can go away, go have a coffee. Yeah. If you're under 14, mum or dad or a guardian or your carer just or whatever, yeah. just has to be on site. Yeah, right. So if you've got a six-year-old kid that you're happy with taking on the field with you, mm. you can do that here. Yeah. And that, that people rag on me for 330 mm. FPS, mm. that's why I maintain it. Yeah. Because... This sport will not grow for 10 years if we don't recruit those players. Yeah. If they don't have somewhere to play and learn about playing with others and well, mm. all that stuff, they don't then buy a blaster and play elsewhere. Yeah, they definitely need a safe place to be able to That's it. come in, learn how to do it, that sort of thing. And and I think to your point around the 330 as well, um, look, I'm very opinionated on FPS limits, but... I think, look, the thing we've got to try and keep in mind is there's a reason people don't play paintball a lot, yep. right? Like, it's, you know, people play it, but it, there's there's a reason that people steer away from it. Mm. One is cost, and the other is pain. Yep. And I think if 
you know, if we were just to broadly say, okay, no FPS limits anywhere, then as you say, those new players, whether they're the younger generation or whether they're just newbies off the street that are thinking about getting involved, if they come in here and get wailed on, they're not coming back. Yeah. you got no sport. you got no one to play with. And the other hand of that is uh, somewhere like Gorilla, mm. they allow kids, they have a kids league, and mm. they, they manage that in a different way to us. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make us better or them better. Mm. It just means that they're doing the same, they've got the same idea that mm. we need kids to play. Yeah, but they manage, yeah, as you say, they, they they've got things in place yeah. to keep those kids safe and, and make sure they're having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Um, me and Martin Shaw had discussions very, very early on um, when I first started coming here about the culture of mm. Milton East mm. a- and we sat down and discussed exactly what we wanted in the culture mm-hmm. um, and I think we've by and large got the culture amongst the players that we want mm. and it's something that we're always always working on yeah we haven't got it 100% right yeah we do upset people we do do the wrong thing mm-hmm. um, but I think we own up to it very quickly. What, what do you think causes those upsets? What kind of stuff? Um, I think it's people have different opinions. It doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. People have different perspectives on things, different ideas about things. Mm. Um, and not everyone can always get their way. Yeah. Uh, unlike the civvy world, we're, we're heavily ex-military people here. Yeah. Um, and ex-military people are very black and white. So <laughs> I fight with the ex-military people... Yeah. on doing exactly what I do and I fight with integrating the civilians into that as well yeah. and listening to them because mm. um, I'm a black and white thinker. Yeah, My psychologist, my psychiatrist, <laughs> my missus, yeah. everyone will tell you that. And the, the biggest thing I have to do is stop and listen and not talk. Yeah, right. And, and that's where I learn the most about people mm. and what they actually need. Yeah, right. That's very deep. It's a bit deep. <laughs> That's all right. Look, I think the, the point of culture is, especially you know, in the, in the space that we're talking about, mm. it's critically important because mm. whether it's at a singular field or whether it's as a community online or whether it's a generalistic culture from place to place to place, yeah. um, you know, getting, getting that right and understanding what's, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable is, is really important because I think you know, it, it's fantastic having a safe place here right, for, for new players to show up and that sort of thing. But at the same time, you don't want, um, you know, if that culture is not right across the board, you don't want them going from here thinking, oh, it's such a great time, and then to go to some other field where perhaps they're not as welcome, yeah. right? And and that can create its oh, own issues. Look, I've had people uh, have their first game here. We've suggested they go elsewhere. They go elsewhere and they come back and they go, oh, that was terrible. Or da, da, da. <laughs> and I've, I've trained the staff here to focus on the positive yeah. of that and go, it's okay to be different. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just because they don't do what we do doesn't mm. make them bad. Yeah. It's just different. Mm. Um, if it doesn't suit you, that's cool. Mm. Play where you want to play. Vote with your wallet, mate. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't have to get on Facebook and tell the world. Man, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, um, a lot of people don't know who I am in the real world mm. and they know me as Tractor and whatnot. And when I comment on stuff on Facebook... It, it's so funny. Listen, people will go, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> that that thing does this. It doesn't do that. You just yeah. go, whatever. Yeah. You've got to let it go. Yeah. it's Look, it's taken, I don't know about you, but it's taken me a while to, to kind of realise. <laughs> like, Chill. Yeah, as much as you want to you be involved, it's also like, eh. yeah. 
and that's why people have asked me to moderate pages and be yeah. admins and um, there's outside of Gelbull there's 10 Facebook pages that I'm an admin or a mod or mm. whatever on and I do not want to get involved at, in the Gelbull industry because it, it's too close to home yeah and well I mean and even, even talking about communities then do you, do you tend to see similar patterns in absolutely yeah it's everywhere yeah. right it's yeah. not just it, it doesn't matter what the sport or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a survivalist group. I'm in a sci-fi and fantasy group. Yeah, I'm in yeah. a Dungeons and Dragons group. <laughs> I'm in a, um, yeah, lots of other really yeah. diverse, because I, I try to diversify my life as much as I can mm. because I spend so much time on gel ball. I try and do everything I can that's different to gel ball when I'm not here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I do try... To keep in touch with my old life, but not my old military life. Yeah. Um, so I've been a tour guide. I've run a full drive company. I've done. I've managed a coffee plantation in PNG. I still try and keep a finger in those worlds and mm. and keep because that stuff still interests me. Mm. But oh, gel ball, my do, lord! Do you find much of that other stuff folds in? So yeah, a lot of that experience comes back into absolutely what we're doing here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like I think about the leadership training I had yeah. on um, junior NCO and senior NCO courses in the military mm. and a lot of the, the stuff I went, oh, that's all fluff or that means nothing. It didn't necessarily mean anything at the time, but I've used that stuff so much yeah. after I got out. Yeah. Um, for in training and assessment, I did that at the time. I went, oh, I'm a recruit instructor. I know how to teach lessons. <laughs> uh, next thing I know, I'm teaching other people how to learn the TNA. I'm going, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny how it comes back later on, isn't it? Oh, another one's algebra. Yeah. I friggin' hated that stuff yeah. in high school. I'll tell you what, man. Then the army <laughs> made me do it. I'm going, oh, wow. Well. <laughs> well, yeah. It's part of the education course yeah, for yeah. seniors. And I'm doing it. I'm going, it just doesn't make sense. And da da da. And I went and saw the education officer. Mm. She said a couple of things and there was just this click in the back of my head mm. and I could do it. Yeah. And because I never wanted to do it, I, I had this thing in my head that algebra is a waste of time. Mm. She related it to a couple of skills I had in the military about triangulating fire and, I was and say, doing yeah, ballistics, right? Yeah. yeah. And I went, you that know what? Sense. I can see the application <laughs> for that. I need to know yeah. that. Yeah. That is, a, it yeah. is a, an important skill as unloading a magazine. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I was motivated to want to learn it and I picked it up easy at, at that point. Mm. Don't ask me to do algebra again now. <laughs> and the uh, D&D stuff, is that, is that, does that tie back into your, uh, the recent event that was here with the, the RPG elements? Um, yeah, there are some D&D-ish things that we did there. Yeah. Um, I was very tired of Milsim when I decided to do Flashpoint. Mm. Um, because there were certain aspects of doing Milsim that I wanted to do differently. Yeah. Um, but the EP was a certain thing and needed to go a certain way. Yeah. Um, and it needed to grow and I was holding the EP back in my mind mm. um, and I wanted to go a different direction rather than trying to turn EP into what I wanted to be. I let EP be what it is. Yeah, great. And surprise. I went off and tried to do a LARP. Yeah. How, how did that go? Because I didn't, I didn't get a chance to come down and see it. It was good and bad. Yeah. Um, it it was very fiscally rewarding for Wounded Heroes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. In that regard, we kicked a massive goal for Wounded Heroes. Mm. 
and I learned a lot of lessons about what will and won't work in a gel environment. Yeah, cool. That's always been the question in my mind, right? Because I know a lot of people talk, not just for that event, but um, a lot of people talk about laughing aspects and that sort of stuff. And yeah. look, I, I've i never been a part of, you know, the, the laughing <laughs> thing. I've never yeah. fully understood it, but I've always wondered in my head. I was like, I just don't understand how it works. You yeah. know, it's, it, but it's, it's really cool to see you guys try it. it. To me, it is no different to we dress up yeah. and perform as a character now. Yeah. You're not being yourself, so you are playing as a character. Yeah. And LARP is no different to that. On, we're, look, we're not going to Abbey Medieval Festival <laughs> level LARP, but we are role-playing in real life. Yeah. It's live-action role-playing. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to do everything that every other LARP does? God, no. Yeah, right. God, no. We're, we're never going to have magic and points for this and... Yeah. And the mechanics that yeah. uh, that a medieval LARP would have, but there are certainly a lot of things that we can bring into simulation mm. with character interaction. And guys have played Call of Duty, they've played Skyrim, they've played Fallout. There are things in that you go, oh, that'd be awesome if we did that at a game. Mm. And they're they're the things that I want to bring into um, Op Parabellum. Parabellum, huh? Yes, it has a name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Latin's part of my old life, so yep. yeah, prepare for war. Yeah. It's not a John Wick thing, it's prepare for oh, war. Oh yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. We're all thinking John Wick. <laughs> oh, everyone's got a John Wick pistol right now. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, that's really cool. Yep. All right, well, it's been awesome having you on board. I've got like thirty people out waving at the window saying, yeah, you're, what, you're gonna come out and have pizza. <laughs> um some of them I'll introduce you to because you don't know well, but yeah. you might recognise the faces. So okay. Let's go and do some bonding and Sounds good, networking man. and stuff. So I've been Tractor. This has been the Millsoft Soft Ops Gel Soft LARP. Soft, soft, soft. Soft, soft. <laughs> Hashtag soft something podcast. And uh, we'll play our way out with our old mate uh, Kevin McCowd's Cantina Blues. See you, Trent. See you later. <laughs>